You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 7 o'clock hour underway here on 106.7 The Fan. It is indeed overtime, and I'm Danny Noakes with you until 10 o'clock tonight. Got Kaylin in studio producing the show. Thanks for your calls over the last couple of segments, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking one year of the Washington Commanders rebrand, the newscast featuring Craig Melvin, Doug Williams, Jonathan Allen, many others. So many memories wrapped up in the last 365 days, aren't there? We will return to taking more of your calls a little bit later on in the show. But right now, we go on over to the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smart and Beat the Books with BetQL to welcome in a good friend of the show and the stations. Say hello to the rooster, Chris Russell, co-host of Russell and Medhurst over on our sister station, the Team 980, weekdays from 9 to noon. You can find him on Twitter at Russellmania621. Chris, always a pleasure, man. How are you tonight? Hey, Danny. Oh, there it is. Hey, Danny, how are you? Thanks for having me, pal. I'm good, man. It's it's great to hear from you. I, I'm interested to hear your initial thoughts off the top of your head one year after this rebrand, because as I said, from the, the first newscast that we got in the official announcement of the name to today, there sure has been a lot that's happened. So your initial thoughts on, on everything that's happened in the last year? Yeah, I mean, the you know, Pete and I, of course, talked about it this morning, you know, on our show and and there's so many different angles and routes you can go. The best thing that I would say from the buildup, the execution, the post fallout and how it has been accepted and um, I guess, again, further executed, the best thing you could say, in my opinion, is sloppy. Yeah. Um, and... I think you know this, and I, I was just listening to your last segment as I was bumping around in the car uh, and hearing some of the calls and some of the calls that we got and what I see on Twitter. You know, fans of this organization, for the most part, have basically tolerated the name yeah. and accepted the reality. They do not like the name. They do not want the name. And there is a difference between tolerating something and dealing with something and wanting something, right? Whether we're talking about brands, whether we're talking about team names, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, partners in, in life, you know, what have you, right? Some things we have a choice of, some things we don't. Now, if you're a fan of this football team, Danny, mm -hmm. uh, and they haven't run you off at this point, you know, you have really, really, really thick skin. And I guess you're just going to have to bite the bullet and just accept it and hope, hope that the new owners come in and change something. But I, I here's what I would say for me, and this is just me, uh, but somebody didn't grow, who didn't grow up here, somebody who has lived here and obviously been entrenched almost every day for 14 years with this organization yeah. and has worked in the building and has been, you know, I guess whatever a part of this era I've been, mm -hmm. what I would say is they have much, much, much greater issues to worry about than 
how their fans necessarily feel about this name, quite honestly, and the shield and the logo and the uniforms. They've got to figure out how to, A, win games, number one, and and get better sustainably on the field, and then also to not have as much turnover and as many just colossal debacles in the front office and in the business and marketing side. And that is where they should focus every ounce of their energy. And I worry that they don't. Yeah, I think that's a very accurate assessment, Chris. And and I think kind of like what you're saying, the rebrand is really just sort of a microcosm of the the franchise's greater problems, which the reality mm-hmm. is they, they can't put a consistent product on the field. And, and that's been the case for the better part of the last 30 years. And as we transition to talking about some of what is actually happening on the field, and now that we're in the offseason, it's about staffing and, and signing guys for the next season. I know you had some thoughts on Ron Rivera who was out at Pebble Beach playing golf this week. Turns out he did end up interviewing Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers head coach, uh, also elsewhere in the NFL this past season. I'm curious as, as to your thoughts on Ron, as, as well as to your thoughts on Anthony Lynn as a potential offensive yeah. coordinator. Um, you know, so I, I haven't hid from the fact that I don't think it's a good look for Ron to be sure. hobnobbing and golfing, you know, and flying out to the West Coast when he should either be at the Senior Bowl in Mobile or he should be back at Command Central at Command Commander's Park or whatever they're, they're calling it uh, okay. these days, turning over every stone, looking at every analytic, expanding the interview list. Why aren't they trying, as far as we know, as far as what's been reported, why aren't they trying to talk to Byron Lefwich, to Eric Bieniemy, to Shea Tierney, the Giants quarterback coach, who a lot of people have their eyes on, uh, to uh, Todd Munkin, who's coming out back to the NFL from Georgia. Why aren't they talking to these guys? Why is the list only six or seven guys? Is it possible that we can have, oh, I don't know, a 12 or 13 person list so that we can get A, fresh ideas and visions and B, God knows if we might actually be able to find somebody other than Pat Shermer. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so, I, you know, yes, Ron interviewed Anthony Lynn yesterday. That was a matter of convenience. Hey, Anthony, I'm going to be in the Bay Area. I'll drive down. Let's have tea and, uh, you know, and, and bagels, and uh, we can meet face-to-face. Right. My issue was Ron was going to be golfing for at least today, tomorrow, maybe Saturday and Sunday if he makes the cut at this stupid tournament, <laughs> and cocktail hours, breakfast, country club this, country club dinners, yep. you know, social events, what have you. It's not that he wasn't going to be doing any work. I'm not suggesting that, but he could do a lot more work if he was not golfing this weekend. And then, Danny, on top of that, and this is a presumption on my end, I don't have this confirmed because I don't, but I assume that Ron is going to go from this weekend up at Pebble Beach in the Bay Area and whatnot of Northern California, maybe spend some time with his dad, which I'm cool with. I understand he recently lost his mom, but he's probably then going to go to Phoenix for the Super Bowl Bowl. and the media tour that he normally and every year goes on and, again, be a part of things that are – kind of counterproductive to making this football team and organization better. And and I'm sorry, like, I don't need a goodwill ambassador. I need a football coach and a GM that is 1,000% locked in to try and get this team out of mediocrity and its terrible averageness. And that's what I 
I don't know. That's what I value. I, I'm not going to call them names or anything like that. I, you know, I heard my buddy uh, the other Danny, Danny Ruiz, do that. Right. <laughs> I'll let Danny do that. That's that's his shtick. But I'm I got to be honest with you. It's frustrating and disappointing. I definitely understand you. We're talking with the Rooster, Chris Russell, co-host of Russell and Medhurst weekdays 9 to noon over on our sister station, the Team 980. He's on Twitter at WrestleMania621 if you want to give him a follow there. Similarly, or at least in the same vein here, Chris, we know that the commanders, Ron Rivera, have been telling folks that Sam Howe is likely going to be their guy going into mm-hmm. the 2023-2024 season. Do, do you believe that to be the case? And, and do you think that that is playing a role in them interviewing these coaches? Are there going to be decisions made on the offensive coordinator side and whether or not they come here when it comes to, to whether or not they take this job? Yeah, I think that's a great question because if you roll out – you know, the idea of Sam Howell, hey, Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell is the guy that we really think we should move forward with, want to move forward with, and can afford to move forward with so that we can, you know, re-sign Deron Payne or at least franchise tag him, maybe take care of Montez Sweat, maybe yeah. take care of Cam Curl, improve the offensive line, all this stuff. We need to go cheap. We need to go young. And Eric Bieniemy looks around. Maybe he's prepared for the interview. I have no idea. Uh, and says, eh, you know what, Sam Howell's not my guy. And if he says that, does that mean Eric Bieniemy is not your guy? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is my problem with this search in general, and with the way I think this front office and this regime does things. It's we're gonna fire, we're gonna find the guy, or we're gonna get the person that we think best fits into us, as opposed to the person from the ex from from the external part of the organization. Mm-hmm that can best fix us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, fits into us, in my opinion, more important to this organization and this regime than fixes us. And I hope I'm explaining that right. Now, I don't, I don't have 100% proof of that, but I, I, have enough, I have enough data and enough um, evidence over the last three years that that is more of the case more in line with their thinking and their philosophy than, again, fixing us. So I do, I do think, yes, if, if they went to Eric Bieniemy and said, hey, we really want Sam Howell to be the guy, and Bieniemy was, for whatever reason, dead set, and I don't know why he would, and dead set against I do think that would cost him. Uh, but if they went to uh, Pat Shermer and he said, look, Pat, you've been out of the NFL for a year. Um, you don't really have anybody knocking down your door we're going with Sam Howell and Pat Shermer probably looks around and says, okay, Okay. better than being unemployed. So (laughs) I think it depends on the candidate. uh, And I can't speak for every candidate, but I can't imagine somebody with leverage, i.e. the enemy would a want to come here over somewhere else and B would want every term dictated. And when I say every term, I mean, hey, you got to keep these coaches. Hey, you got to keep this system. Hey, you got to keep this language. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. Why would I come here for that if I have leverage? It's a good question. And and I think guys like Pat Shermer and, and even Ken Zampezi, nothing against them, right? But those are probably the, the least exciting of the names that we're hearing. And yet yeah. they're the names that we're probably hearing the most often. And, and that probably has something yeah. to do with Ron's familiarity it, with them. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, like when they were trying to name the the, the team and and you were talking about it before I came on, you know, there was like, you know, all these people wanted, you know, warriors and admirals and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, some of those names were exciting. Some of them were not exciting. Some of them were just to kind of fill a void. And, And that's almost what it feels like. Yes. It almost feels like this search is going to conclude with filling a void, not making a change. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It definitely does. It, it, it really actually feels exactly like that, you know, because although they're interviewing somebody like Anthony Lynn, most of the, the conversation is around the, the less appealing mm-hmm. names and they haven't, mm-hmm. there's been no, no indication that they're actually interested in Byron Leftwich, who I think would probably be one of the better case scenarios for this franchise. Right. But Chris, I'll let you go, man. I always absolutely love catching up with you, buddy. This has been absolutely fantastic. Let you enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. Have a great show tomorrow morning to close out the week, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate you as always. And, uh, you know, when things calm down, we'll uh, we'll figure out. We'll try and get you in studio or, or whatever, and we'll do some more radio together. I, I always appreciate you having me. Would love that, man. Appreciate you, Rooster. Talk to you very soon, my friend. There he goes. That's Chris Russell, co-host of Russell and Medhurst over on our sister station, the Team 980. Weekdays, 9 to noon, here, Chris Russell. And Pete on sports, Pete Medhurst. My guys, love both of them. All right, let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We've got a little bit more football to discuss before we talk some college hoops with another friend of mine, David Teal, columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch and a Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. little hoops at the bottom of the hour, but it's more football next on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks a bunch to the rooster, Chris Russell, for joining us in the last segment. You can catch Chris weekdays from 9 to noon. He's a co-host on Russell and Medhurst. Over on our sister station, the Team 980. Those guys do a great job. Pretty funny to follow on social media as well. They check out, or they they are often sending out pictures of what's going on behind the scenes there. And Rooster's always got all sorts of drink and food receptacles in front of them. There's always all sorts of delicious food in there and... The wonders of radio. That's 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 what you get. So coming up at 730, we're going to talk a little college hoops with David Teal, a Virginia sports Hall of Famer. He's a columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. David is an encyclopedia of both college football and college basketball knowledge, someone that is held in very high regard around these parts. So I'm very much looking forward to catching up with David. It's been a while. We'll talk a little football here in this segment, uh, and we'll get back to the topic a little bit later on in the show of the Commander's rebrand, and we'll, and we'll take some more calls because I know there were a few of y'all that had to drop off while we were on the horn with the rooster. So we will get back to that, I promise. But for now, and yesterday, we got the big news that Tom Brady had officially and potentially for good announced his retirement and alongside that announcement not quite simultaneously there were definitely several hours in between the two announcements actually happened but when Sean Payton was announced to be heading to the Denver Broncos that meant that Rex Ryan's ridiculous prediction from Sunday before the NFC and AFC championship game would not come true he forecasted that there was potential for both Sean Payton and Tom Tom Brady to come to the Washington Commanders. We all had a good laugh when that was said. I don't think there's a single person that actually believed that that was a real possibility of actually happening. But it was it was a fun comment. It got us all to laugh, right? 
but obviously Tom Brady retiring here is the much more significant of the two pieces of news and it being the second retirement of his career because Tom did retire last year. But if you all remember, the news of his retirement had actually started to spread before he actually did announce that. And there are some folks out there that think Brady returned last season out of spite towards some of the journalists, maybe like Adam Schefter, who broke that news before he was able to announcement. And I think we know that Tom Brady's definitely at least a little bit petty. And we've seen his social media posts, right? He'll indirectly call people out. But I don't think at the end of the day, it's that big a deal. And the reality is Tom came back. And although the Buccaneers weren't particularly good in the second half of this past season, They did win the division, and it was a weak division, but they did win the division in Tom's last game, although a loss to Dallas, he did throw for over 350 yards. So it's not like he's going out in one of his worst performances or worst season, although it probably record-wise was one of his worst seasons of his career. But when you retire as a three-time MVP, 15-time Pro Bowler, former Comeback Player of the Year, and then... five-time Super Bowl MVP and seven-time Super Bowl champion, there's really not a whole lot of stones left to turn if you are someone of the stature of one Tom Brady. And it's kind of similar to what we're watching with LeBron James right now, who I think going into tonight is 89 points shy of breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record in NBA history. It's also not unlike what we're watching with Alex Ovechkin, who is now uh, a few goals closer to catching Wayne Gretzky's all-time NHL record, which it's going to take a couple of seasons, we know, for, for Ovechkin to get that. But if he keeps on the pace that he's at and plays two to three more years, he's going to eclipse that and then some. But again, back to what Tom did, the final game of his career was a wild card matchup and the Cowboys obviously won, but it was the first time the Cowboys ever beat Tom Brady, if you can believe that, right? Even the commanders were able to beat Tom Brady before the Cowboys actually did. Uh, He's the greatest of all time. I don't think there's a single intelligent person on the planet who would ever debate that. I mean, for goodness sake, even when the Eagles beat him in the Super Bowl back in 2018, he set the NFL single game passing record in the playoffs with 500 and five yards. And I heard Grant Paulson's segment about how Tom Brady, while one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, is potentially the luckiest. And to that, I would say, well, yeah. I mean, every quarterback who's won a Super Bowl has been lucky to some degree, right? I've done a whole segment on the fact that it takes a tremendous amount of good, for- of good fortune for a quarterback to come in and just have a good franchise around him. I mean, Look at someone like RG3 who came into the Redskins in 2012, right? I mean, electric season, but in the fact that they made the playoffs and won the division that year was all well and good, even though RG3 blew his knee out in the wildcard game against the Seahawks, there was still a good bit of hype going into the next season. That climb back to the point where they would get back to the playoffs was going to be tremendously hard because when you're at a franchise like the Redskins football team or commanders, there's always going to be a lot of noise that you have to overcome. There's a lot of just certain things that you have to deal with that you wouldn't have to deal with at a different franchise. You know what would be what's a great franchise to go to if you're if you're a young quarterback, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. And and I don't think Kenny Pickett is, you know, the, the next the next Ben Roethlisberger or, or the next Terry Bradshaw. But 
because that organization is so stable, he is so much better set up to succeed than even Sam Howell is going into next season. So, yeah, he got lucky. So has every other quarterback that's ever won a Super Bowl and every other player that's ever won a Super Bowl. You can't control everything. Of course, he got a little bit lucky. The teams that that, that beat him also got lucky. They didn't win more than seven Super Bowls, right? Ask the Giants in winning their second Super Bowl, right? They're, they're, they send Wes Welker a thank you card every single year for dropping that walk-in touchdown that would have essentially put the game away for New England. Ask him about it, right? So, of course, he got lucky. Everyone gets lucky. Every single quarterback that's ever won a Super Bowl has gotten lucky. All right. That does it for this segment. Let's get out of here. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking some college hoops with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer and Richmond Times-Dispatch columnist David Teal. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. is indeed overtime on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes with you tonight up until 10 p.m. We've got Caitlin in studio producing the show. We'll be able to take some more of your calls at the top of the next hour. Wait till the 8 o'clock hour. We'll get back on the topic of the Commanders, their rebrand. Now officially one year since the announcement of the new name. But right now, we're going over to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smart and beat the books with BetQL. It's time to welcome in a very special guest, my pal David Teal, a columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch and a Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. You can give him a follow on Twitter at by David Teal. David, great to hear from you as always, man. It's been a while. How's everything going? We're doing great, Danny. I hope you and yours are the same. Good, man. I, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Always good to hear your voice and always good to chop up a little ACC hoops and football, too, when it comes back around in a few months. But obviously, the, the, the main course right now is ACC hoops, and we've got a couple of really good matchups coming up on Saturday. So we'll start with the noon tip between number six UVA and Virginia Tech. I want to look at this from both teams' angles. And if we start with the home team, we start with the Hokies. The narrative here is pretty much that Virginia Tech is playing for their season. You know, starting two and seven this year, just like they did last year, they had a couple of good wins, one of them over Duke, another one of them over Syracuse, but coming off the loss to Miami... It's, it's been hard for them as they go through this really tough stretch of games. So coming into this matchup with Virginia, they're going to have to be just about as sharp as they've been all season long, and their shots are really going to have to fall. And, Danny, they're going to have to be a whole lot sharper defensively yeah. than they were Tuesday night in Carl Gables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Hokies did something incredibly rare down at Miami. They shot better than 55% from the field, 40% beyond the arc, and 90% at the free throw line, and lost. They are the first Division I team in the country this season to lose a game in which they shot that well. And that's because their defense, especially on the interior, was so poor. Virginia Tech gave up 46 points in the paint. Mm -hmm. And that just cannot happen. 
Yeah, and and it seemed like during that game, whenever Virginia Tech needed a stop, they just couldn't get it. And when they come back home here against number six Virginia on Saturday, that's it's just going to have to be better. And defense is the name of the game when it comes to Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers, isn't it, David? I mean, looking at number six UVA right now, they're on a seven-game win streak, and their two ACC losses are by a combined five points with both of them coming on the road. So if I'm the rest of the ACC looking at number six, six UVA I'm saying man oh these guys they're definitely nothing to play around with and it's not going to be particularly easy for them though going into a hostile environment in Castle Coliseum it absolutely will not be it, it was not easy for Virginia against the Hokies at, at John Paul Jones Arena last sure. month yeah the, the Hokies shot it fairly well but again didn't get an, enough defensive stops and that is going to be a desperate Virginia Tech team that the Cavaliers lace it up against. And desperate teams have a way of elevating their game. And Virginia is going to have to play exceptionally well to get out of there with a win. I'll tell you what, Danny, you look at the next three for the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. On the road in Blacksburg, and then home next week against surging NC State, and then home against Duke. Oof. If the Cavaliers, if they get those three, I think they are almost slam dunks to be the number one seed of the ACC tournament in Greensboro. Yeah, and and there's a couple of other teams here that I want to ask you about, David, around the rest of the ACC. But before we get to that, just sticking around with with number six UVA, watching them obviously as a team, they're they're always so cohesive, and that's a testament to to head coach Tony Bennett and the system that he's been building there for the last several years. But it's also hard, you know, not to overstate the job that Kihei Clark has done there at, at point guard oh. for the Cavaliers. You know, he he does a little bit of everything, and it's not that he's he's pouring in. 20 points a game or anything like that. He's just all over the court. He's finding his open teammates. He's He plays great defense, too. He is a nasty defender. So if, if they're going to come away with a win against the Hokies on the road on Saturday, he's going to be a big reason why. He absolutely will be. And you, know, you mentioned he's not a 20-point guy, but he, he's capable of that. We've seen it this right. season. Every once in a while, where Virginia most needs it, it seems, T.A. Clark can come up with those kind of games. Mm-hmm. And he also routinely has, oh, six or seven assists, just one or two turnovers, exceptional ball security. You mentioned his defense. His leadership can't be overstated. Right. You know, he's, he's broken Kyle Singler's record for career minutes in the ACC, obviously because of the COVID bonus year. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about one of the most seasoned players in college basketball and who's won a national championship. Yeah. So there's nothing that's going to rattle Kihei Clark. And you, you pair him in that backcourt with, with Armand Franklin and when they bring him off the bench, Isaac McNeely and Reese Beekman, that is a tough, tough combination now. 
Yeah, it's and that explains a lot of why they're rolling right now. Seven consecutive wins for number six UVA. They travel down to Blacksburg to their arch rival, Virginia Tech, Castle Coliseum. That's a noon tip-off on Saturday. I know the Hokies and Cavaliers fans faithful will be locked in for that one. We're talking with a Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, David Teal, columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. You can find him on Twitter at by David Teal. Another big matchup in the ACC this weekend is between North Carolina and Duke, David. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of history between these two teams. It's one of, if not the greatest rivalries, not just in college sports, but across all of sports. And and yet there's no Roy Williams in the game this year at coaching North Carolina. That's been a couple of years removed at this point. And now we won't see Coach K either as John Shire has taken over the Duke basketball program. So as exciting as it'll be, it's still going to feel a little bit weird without both of those guys there, isn't it? It's the first time we haven't had a Hall of Fame coach on the bench in that series since before Dean Smith wow. got the job <laughs> in, in Chapel Hill. It's, it's crazy to think about, Danny. You, know, you mentioned the, the story history of the rivalry, but how about the recent history? Mm. As in last March, the Tar Heels sauntering into Cameron Indoor Stadium and spoiling Krzyzewski's final game there, and then doubling down at the Final Four in New Orleans and ending Krzyzewski's career. Mm. So you've got those layers bubbling at the surface. You've got a Carolina team that's coming off a very disappointing performance last night at home against Pitt. But that's that's a team that was in the NCAA final and returns four starters, including Armando Baycott. Yeah. They should be better than they are right now. And yeah. then on the flip side, you've got Duke typically reliant on freshmen. Jeremy Roach, really the only season starter there. And the big question with Duke is can they get and stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Roach has been nicked up more recently. Derek Whitehead, who got hurt in the Virginia Tech game that you referenced earlier, he's been missing since that game. He's their number two scorer in ACC play. Mm-hmm. If Duke can get him back and keep him ready to go, then I think the upside is considerable for the Blue Devils. Yeah, and I think both of those teams could probably say that they should probably have a better conference record than what it is right now. It is also interesting that they're sitting right next to one another in the standings. Both teams are seven and four, two and a half games back of Miami and NC State, who are at eight and four. And I think this matchup will go a long way in determining who finishes ahead of one another. But you know, they always have a couple of matchups annually. So, uh, do you have a hunch on on which way this game goes? Do you think Duke? being at home inside Cameron Indoor has has the advantage here. Well, it's it's funny, Danny. I'll be perfectly transparent with you. I did a radio hit in Charlotte yesterday, Mm -hmm. and it was before I watched the Tar Heels last night, and they were asking me about the game. And I told them I kind of like Carolina just because of the experience and the confidence knowing that they can win in Cameron. And then I watched that game last night against Pitt, and I'm thinking to myself, are these cats tough enough right now? <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll double down on it and, and stick with the Tar Heels tomorrow night simply because I, I, I believe they'll want to atone 
for, for last night and also because it's the Duke rivalry and they will bring their A game. And I think when both those teams have their A games, I think Carolina's better. Yeah, I, I think with with you look at their roster top to bottom, I definitely agree with you. And, and David, real quick, before I let you go, just so we're not overlooking the team that's actually sitting atop the ACC right now, the Clemson Tigers at 10-2, and two, half a game lead on the Virginia Cavaliers. It, it's funny, having watched a couple of the Virgi- or both of the Virginia Tech-Clemson games, kind of felt like the Hokies had both of those, but real close, Clemson pulls away with them. The Tigers at 10-2, and two, like we said, sitting atop the conference right now. Brad Brownell's got those guys playing really well doesn't he he does he has two guys playing at all conference level Mm. in in pj hall and hunter tyson and chase hunter the point guard is really playing well also you know they they need to get brevin galloway healthy he has a groin issue he's been out a couple games the tigers also coming off a difficult loss the other night at boston college and a challenging game on Saturday against Miami. Yeah. Miami is is definitely a tough team. We just watched them get a, a very good win, good offensive performance over Virginia Tech just a couple of nights ago. But, David, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Great analysis, great insight. We love it. We're looking forward to some ACC basketball this weekend. Hope you are as well. Enjoy the game. Safe travels. I assume you're headed to Blacksburg. You assume correctly. Thanks for having me, Dan. <laughs> you got it, man. That's our pal David Teal of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He's a columnist there and a Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. If you want, give him a follow on Twitter at ByDavidTeal. All right. Good stuff on college hoops. We'll step aside. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with more to wrap up the 7 o'clock hour right here on 106.7 The Fan. Big thank you to David Teal, Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, columnist for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Appreciate his time in the last segment. Great breakdown talking some ACC hoops with David. There's a couple of big games in the conference this weekend. Number six, UVA traveling to Blacksburg for a showdown inside Castle Coliseum with arch-rival Virginia Tech. My Hokies clinging to life, but barely in the ACC this season. Just 3-8 and eight is Virginia Tech this year, and this is a much better basketball team than their record indicates. They got Hunter Couture back a couple of games ago, and he is clearly the guy that is most important to this team, I think. He's certainly the best shooter on the team from the perimeter, but he's also what I would call a glue guy. You know, He's just one of those players that they really need to ensure that they would get a win in that scenario. And their backs are going to be up against the wall as they play a very hot UVA team who's won seven in a row, nine and two in the league. Two losses in the ACC are both by not only single digits, but a combined five points. One of those losses was to a ranked Miami team who also just beat Virginia Tech. So Cavaliers, nothing to play around with. And then we've got North Carolina heading to Duke. Classic matchup between UNC and Duke. And as we were talking with David, although no Roy Williams, no Coach K, which he brilliantly put into perspective for us, he's saying that it's the first time there won't be a Hall of Fame coach on the sideline in this matchup since before Dean Smith 
was hired. Yeah, you got to go back a long time in the history of that rivalry to find a time when it was not two Hall of Famers patrolling the sidelines for the North Carolina Duke game. And it's still going to be a very good matchup because as David reminded us, the match, the, the games themselves between UNC and Duke with the conclusion of the regular season, the final ACC game between the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils inside Cameron Indoor, uh, a steal-the-show type of moment by UNC who ended his ACC tenure in the regular season with a loss and then knocking them out of the tournament, which was also crazy. Just really good basketball played over the years between those two programs. And, you know, it's also a pretty big weekend here for the Maryland Terrapins who have been playing some pretty good basketball as of late. They, speaking of late, they have a late tip off on Saturday, 9 PM out there in Minnesota. They get the golden Gophers, but right now riding a three game win streak are the Maryland Terrapins wins over Nebraska or excuse me, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and number 21, Indiana, most recently. Two of those games, the most recent of which were at home. An 11-point win over a Hoosier squad that, again, is ranked in the top 25. So Maryland doing a good job with their play right now. And their last loss was to number three, Purdue, a team that a lot of people think is the best team in the country this season. And that was only a three point loss on the road. So I like where Maryland is at right now. They're in fifth place tied for fifth with that same Indiana team that they just beat in the big 10 right now. Purdue still leads the conference pretty comfortably. They've got a three and a half game lead with an 11, one record behind them at seven and four Illinois and Rutgers and Northwestern 6-4, and four, just a half a game ahead of the Terps because they've played one fewer games. Now, real quick, because we only have like a couple of minutes here before I want to get to a break. And by the way, we'll kick off the 8 o'clock hour by remembering the great Bobby Bethard, who passed away from Alzheimer's disease on Sunday. Bobby Bethard, obviously a tremendously successful executive in the National Football League for Super Bowl wins as a front office member. And of course, three three appearances in the Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins winning two of them. We'll talk about that coming up here at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. But I saw it was from my guy, Big Doug. Big Doug, who I follow on Twitter, and, and I've had him on the show before. Does a great job with his Commanders podcast. Actually, he he often is talking to Chris Swaggy Baker, who, as we know, had a stroke a couple of weeks ago and seems to be recovering very nicely, which is very good news because Chris Baker just seems like an absolutely awesome dude. He's, you know, always making a slap on social media and, and, and has been doing that, by the way, since he was a player for the Redskins and... Uh, Tampa Bay, the other teams that he played for. He played for a few teams throughout his NFL career, but his longest stint was with Washington. But Doug proposed this question on Twitter asking, would you want to pair Tremaine Edmonds with Jamin Davis? And to that, I would say, absolutely. Tremaine Edmonds is someone that I, and I'll admit my bias here, right? Because Tremaine Edmonds went to Virginia Tech, but I have watched a lot of Tremaine Edmonds football, both his, his, during his time at Virginia Tech and also since he's been a member of the Buffalo Bills. And that dude is rangy. He's athletic. He's a good tackler. Obviously, you know, 
there are better linebackers in the league, but I think that he pairing him alongside Jamin Davis gives you a freak athlete on on the opposite side of him, and I think that pairing would actually work pretty nicely because Edmonds does have some pretty good speed. He can get sideline to sideline pretty quickly. Now, it's always going to come down to the cost. And when it comes to who this team should be paying, you know, the the linebacker is definitely a spot where they need some some help at. And it's and it's not because of Jamin Davis. In fact, Jamin Davis took a tremendous step forward, if you ask me, and improved greatly in his play this season. And, and Cole Holcomb wasn't bad, but it, I'm not sure if Cole Holcomb is going to be re-signed. If he is, maybe that's the the best route to go if you're not trying to spend too much money because you're, you're weighing the options of potentially franchise tagging Deron Payne or or giving money to someone like Cam Curl or Montez Sweat. All of those guys made pretty significant impacts this season. And, and, and of all the guys that I just mentioned, Deron Payne did have the best season. So it would be nice to see them put a, a franchise tag on him just to keep him in D.C. But if he's not, it, you know... If he's not going to be here long term, is 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 that really money well spent? Because if Fedarian Mathis comes back next year and you know he turns out to to be a, another really good Alabama defensive tackle, well then you know Deron Payne can can go and be an impact player somewhere else and and get the bag that he has deserved and and certainly earned with his play over the last couple of seasons. I don't want to see him leave, but. You you have to wonder when you've got other guys that that are going to be coming up here for contracts like Curl, like Montez Sweat mentioned those guys, and in a couple of years down the road you're going to be having the same conversation about Chase Young, and I would say that we probably need to see more production from Chase Young before you decide that you're going to give him a significant payday, right? I mean we we haven't seen hardly any football from him since you know the middle of last season, not even this past season. So I I, I, I like. I love having these offseason conversations, these hypotheticals. If you pair Jamin Davis with Tremaine Edmonds, I think that would be fantastic. We wouldn't want the price tag to get too high. That would be my biggest concern there. So we'll step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're talking more football. We'll be remembering the late Bobby Bethard and the incredible career that he had, not just here in Washington, D.C., but across his, again, vaunted NFL career. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 